Pastor Ray Bentley takes us to an epical moment in the first century. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I love that. How powerful, how sweet. He sits on I wonder if he had his legs crossed, little wings crossed behind his back saying, see, told you. Third day, he has risen from the dead. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We know Jesus gave his life for our sins, and we know he rose on the third day, breaking the power of death. Today, Pastor Ray brings us a front row seat for that momentous event, when the stone was rolled away, revealing an empty tomb. Listen to this familiar story with a fresh perspective on what it means for us today. So we're gonna start in Matthew 27, where we left off in verse 57 through 61. And the first life lesson is that there was a divine intervention. So beginning in chapter 27, verse 57, it says, now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. So now we read about this Jewish man, religious leader, Pharisee, Joseph, who it says had become a disciple. And then uh, he comes and asks for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And God used this wealthy man to help fulfill a prophecy. I want you to look at this, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9. And we can read it together. Let's read it. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Jesus was crucified between two revolutionary thieves, murderers, But when he was buried, the prophecy of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was even born, said, but he will be buried in his death with the rich. So Joseph, a wealthy man, prepared that tomb for Jesus, and he selected a place. He was wealthy, and so basically you would hire someone, uh, workers, to go into the solid rock, and they would build these caves or tombs The door of the tomb was made of a heavy circular shaped stone that weighed between two and three tons. It would take something supernatural to move that stone. So look with me beginning in verse 62. It says, on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. We need to set a watch over this, a guard over this, and especially make sure that nothing happens to this man's body on the third day. 
lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. And so the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. And so they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So in contrast to the loving attention that you know, was given by Jesus by his friends, notice the plotting and the scheming of the religious leaders against Jesus. It's also interesting, and it appears that all of the disciples, both men and women, forgot that Jesus had prophesied and promised on the third day, I will rise from the dead. He said it several times. But when you read the story of when he's finally crucified, where, where were the disciples? What was in their minds? They forgot that prophecy. Even the women, now the women were there and faithful and loyal and we honored them at the cross and they were the first ones to go to the tomb but they were not going to the tomb because they were anticipating, oh, he's gonna be risen from the dead. They were going expecting that his body would still be there and that they needed to bring spices and honor him. But notice this, all of the enemies of Jesus, they were all saying, he said he's gonna rise on the third day. That's the most important day of this whole thing. We need to set a guard there and make sure nothing happens. So they got Roman guards there and they put a seal to it to make sure. Don't you find that strange? There was Roman guards, there was a seal put upon it, a glob of wax over the stone. You could not move the stone without breaking the seals which then those Roman guards who are standing there are responsible, their careers and their lives were at stake. So they did everything they could to make sure, especially on the third day, that stone would not be moved, that seal would not be broken, there would nothing happen to his body and he would not be stolen on the third day. <laughs> but the irony is they spent so much time and so much work and then because of what happened, they literally helped to prove that Jesus is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So here is Matthew as an eyewitness of all these things, and he now records the greatest and most controversial event that has ever been reported in human history. It's Sunday, it's early in the morning, and the women are now on their way to minister unto what they think is still the dead body of Jesus Christ. Matthew records something happened in the dark, early dawn, that literally shook the whole region and shook all of the disciples. There was an earthquake early Sunday morning. Jesus is alive and the earth was shaking and the earth was trembling. And these women came to finish the preparation of Jesus' body. But now read what happens, beginning in verse two. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I love that. This 
one who came with a face shining like lightning came right to the tomb, right to where the stone is, and two Roman burly guards saw that. They saw the lightning on his face, and the clothing that he had was supernatural white, the very Shekinah glory of God. It's not only this blinding angel, the stone rolls out of the way, then the angel goes and sits on the stone. I love that part. He sits on, I wonder if he had his legs crossed, little wings crossed behind his back saying, see, told you. And by the way, another gospel tells us it wasn't one, but there were several angels that were there at that moment. Little wonder that the soldiers were paralyzed with fear. In fact, Matthew uses a play on words. Because when he says that the soldiers trembled, it's the same Greek word that is used earlier for earthquake. The root word is, so literally these pagan Roman soldiers who are there with their lives on the line to guard the tomb are literally having an earthquake. Their bodies are shaking. You know, there, there are different levels of fear. Sometimes when you're afraid, you scream, you shout, you run. But there is another level of fear. The highest level of fear is you're paralyzed. Have you ever had that kind of fear? You can't move, and then your body just starts shaking violently. That's what was happening to these two men. And by the way, again, the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. He's already gone. He's not in the tomb. He's already left. <laughs> the reason that the angels moved the stone is so that the disciples could go in and see for themselves he's gone. He's alive. He is risen. Can I hear an amen on that? Is that beautiful? How powerful, how sweet. He is risen. So now let's close with verses 5 through 8. It says, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. Now the same, you know, shining angel that terrified, paralyzed, and made to quake the Roman soldiers, here, here's the women. So they're afraid too. And the angel's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to be afraid of me or of us. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Yeshua, Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Now come, see the place where the Lord used to lay. It's empty. He's gone. Early this morning, he already has gone out. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Basically, okay, that's my job. I fulfilled my assignment. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Here you've got these two Miriams that are, they've got their spices, and now all of a sudden they see this blinding angel, and I love the announcement of the angel. He is not here. He is risen, and then what does he say? As he said. When God says it, it's done. When Jesus said, I'm telling you, everything you told him came to pass. And when he told him, look, I will be betrayed, I will be executed, I will die by crucifixion, I will be buried, and I give you my word on the third day, I will rise from the dead. He fulfilled everything he said. So the angels, that's why they're telling us that's the power of the word of God. Everything God has said will come to pass. 
It's his word, and his word is his will, and it's backed by his power. And if Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day, you know that it's going to happen. So listen, I know that there are moments and there are times in all of our lives where we get, like the disciples, something hits you, something comes out of the blue, something knocks you down, and we get traumatized, and we become like the disciples themselves. They forgot the word of the Lord. They forgot the promises of God. So I just want you to know, if God has given you a word, if God has spoken to you, if God has given you a promise, even if you forget it, or even if you're overwhelmed by circumstances or emotions or whatever else, know this, what he has said, what he has promised, his word to you will be fulfilled. Amen? Everything he has said, that's why every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And that's why we read the word of God is because God speaks to us. God wants to personalize his word. 7,000 promises are in this book, and every one of them belongs to every child of God. When you read it, you can say, I'd take that one, Lord, that one's for me. Take them all, devour them, chew on the word, receive it, and know it personally. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, We've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now here's the last thing that I want to share with you, and this is, uh, came to me and hit me this week as I was preparing for this message about the resurrection. And it touched me in a very special way, Lord, that we read the verses that tell the story of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And I want to tell you why it is special. The language that is used here, I won't go into all the, the language, but there's a passive verb that underscores a very powerful, important truth. And that is this. How was Jesus resurrected. He's dead. Who resurrected Jesus from the dead in this dramatic miracle of all time? Answer, the Father. The Father raised His Son from the dead. Something took place within the tomb. There is Jesus' body, which has been there since Friday afternoon, through the Sabbath, now early on Sunday morning. I mean, you know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to be crucified, betrayed, beaten in our place. Why? Because he loved us so much. All of that is true, but still the father had to give his son to be executed and to be beaten 
and then to die, and then to lie within that tomb. So who was it? Early Sunday morning, and this is, nobody was there, but we know what happened, and we know who it was. It was the Father. And I want you to just think about this. The Father, the Father, went into that tomb and raised his son, Jesus, from the dead. Look at with me at this last scripture, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. And may you never read it again with the same eyes, but the apostle Paul, Galatians 1, 1, let's read it out loud. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Is that awesome? What a moment that must have been. I mean, I think of God the Father in the, you know, the story all the way back to Genesis where the image that is given of God creating man in his own image and after his own likeness. And there is a description given of the Father humbling himself in literally, as it were, down on his knees in the mud and in the dirt and in the very dust of the earth and forming man and then picking man up who is not yet alive, Adam, and breathing into the nostrils of Adam and Adam comes alive. Do you know that the New Testament describes Jesus as the second Adam? The first Adam, because he sinned, all of us, we're in trouble because we all came from Adam and he sinned and therefore all are born, we're born into sin. But Jesus is the second Adam. Therefore we are born again after him. He is now the beginning of this whole new race of the sons and the daughters of God. And there in the tomb that the father took his precious son and again, once again, breathes life into him for all time and for all of eternity. And that we shall spend, thank you father, Thank you for raising your son, Jesus, from the dead. And because of this, I leave you with this thought. It's very, very touching. When you know the story like this of the gospel, then I want to say it to everybody that is listening right now, because I know there are many, I'm going to give in a moment an opportunity for you to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I, and I want you to know this, that God the Father has determined that for every human being, all seven billion of us, I don't care what continent, I don't care what language, I don't care what country, I don't care what ethnicity, the Father has determined nobody gets to me. Nobody will see me. Nobody will know me unless they come through my son. You've got to come through Jesus if you want to get to the Father. And the whole ministry of Jesus is, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, but I, if you will believe and trust in me, will introduce you to my Father, and my Father will become your Father, and you shall be born into the family of God. I know that there are some people who are not saved, and one of the reasons is you've had an earthly father who broke your image of God. Fathers are our first image of God. And so if you have a, an abusive father, broken father, by the way, that goes back to his father and his father's father, it just keeps going back. The old line, hurt people hurt 
other people is true. But there are many that become atheists, and I don't believe in God. Why? Because, and really, they don't even know that it goes back to their image of God was destroyed because of their earthly father. Well, I want you to know this, that through Jesus Christ, He introduces us to the Father that will heal you. You'll never know your true identity until you surrender your life to the real Father, the true Father, who will give you a brand new spirit, a brand new life, and a glorious future. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm going to give you the opportunity to just say a very simple, childlike prayer, because I believe that God is going deep. And I'm telling you, Jesus is building His church right here, right now, on the earth. I want to put it this way. The Lord is going after the devil. And, he's, and more importantly, because the devil, he, he's in trouble, big-time trouble. God's moving all over the earth, and the devil is in trouble. God's after him, and he's running out of time, and he's doomed. It's over. It already was over 2,000 years ago, but now God's going to finalize and implement the ultimate judgment. But the Lord's also going after souls. He's going after men and women who have been hurt and abused, and the enemy uses all that to say, oh, you can't trust God, same lies he told Adam and Eve. And I just believe that God is right now breaking through all of that all of those lies and excuses and abusiveness, and there's a moment of light that is shining. There's a moment of healing that is coming, and I believe that multitudes are being literally drawn out of darkness, out of sin, out of wickedness, out of pain, out of, you know, devil stuff and worship, occult, whatever it is. God's going in deep. And he will save to the uttermost those that call upon him. So I'm going to lead us into prayer. I'm going to invite anybody and everybody to pray with me out loud. We can remember, rehearse our salvation. But if this is your first time, you can be saved, forgiven, literally become a child of God and get refathered by a perfect father and healed and made whole and have the hope of eternal life and find your real, true identity. So if you're willing, let's pray together after this manner. Dear Lord. I admit that I am a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I am so sorry for everything that I've done wrong. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart, and I ask you to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. Please. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. Now help me follow you, Jesus, all the way to heaven until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. An important prayer today on Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. And if you've made a decision for the Lord today, or if you have questions about Christianity, let us invite you to visit raybentley.com and click About. Pastor Ray would like to share some information with you. Now, today's study is titled Proof of the Resurrection. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.